Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is session two of The Beauty of Holy Choices, a new weekly podcast series. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. In 2015, I wrote a book entitled The Beauty of Holy Choices, which examines people from the Bible who pleased God by making a hard choice in a difficult circumstance. Each of the 12 chapters is a stand-alone story, and they're all woven together by their emphasis on holiness, arranged in the order in which they appear in Scripture. Each unit ends with clear application to today's Christian walk and a challenge to the reader. This second installment is entitled, Job Endures the Unimaginable, All Scripture, is taken from the New International Version. Job was probably the first book of the Bible ever written. Although the man Job likely lived at about the same time as Abraham, the writer of his book, whoever it was, recorded these events some 500 years or so before Moses came along to write in the law the events of creation, the story of Noah, and the other familiar things that happened first. Somehow, Job knew about the one true God who made mankind. The Jewish people were not yet a nation. No synagogues or churches existed, and even the Ten Commandments had not yet been given. But Job had received enough word of mouth to know that God expected men to live in obedience to him and that people of faith at that time offered animal sacrifices to the Lord when they sinned. Job was the Bill Gates of his generation and culture, His wealth included thousands of domestic beasts of at least four species, a diversified portfolio of investments, if you will. Job had scores of employees to take care of and manage his wealth. His wife bore him ten healthy children who all grew to adulthood in an age without modern conveniences or health care, and they had good relationships with each other. These brothers and sisters got along so well, in fact, that they had frequent reunions to celebrate special occasions. Job cherished his kids and was concerned for their spiritual well-being. He interceded for them before God on a regular basis by offering sacrifices on an altar after every party they threw. He knew his children drank wine at these affairs, and he wanted to make sure everyone's behavior and heart attitudes were covered by God's grace. Job was the quintessential what a guy. Now for some extra interesting insight. Job 1.6 Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. In that other dimension where spiritual beings dwell, Satan sought interaction with God. Who knew that God permitted Satan to come and address him at the Lord's discretion? Although Satan had been cast out of God's presence and down to earth, Luke 10:18, for God's own purposes, God apparently still allowed that old serpent, Revelation 20:2, to access him at least from time to time. In fact, once Satan showed up, it was God who initiated the conversation. Job 1:7 to 12. The Lord said to Satan, "Where have you come from?" Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? 
there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. For our understanding, this communication is presented as a regular back-and-forth dialogue that used spoken language. Whatever it actually was on the spiritual level, one thing is clear. God gave Satan permission to afflict Job, but also laid some ground rules about how far Satan could go. Job was to be put to the test. Sometime later, Job lost nearly everything he owned and all ten of his children in one day. Two enemy armies cruelly murdered servants and stole all his donkeys, oxen, and camels. Fire from the sky, perhaps a severe thunderstorm with lightning that caused a fire, killed all of the sheep. A tornado of some sort, perhaps spawned by the same thunderstorm, struck the house where his children were partying, wiping them all out as walls collapsed on them. Job is left to try to comprehend a tragedy so large that it can only be likened to the worst war trauma or the most horrific torture scenes that human history records. Numb and probably on autopilot, Job's response is awe-inspiring. Job 1, 20-22 At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job worshipped. He lost everything. He had no idea why. He could not even fully comprehend what had just happened, and his stress level was literally off the charts, and Job worshipped. But wait, there's more. Job 2, 1 through 9. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, 
Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Job's losing his possessions and all of his children was not enough of a test somehow. Satan then received permission from God to go to the brink of Job's very life and rob him of his health and physical appearance. Job was a horrified shell of a broken man, filled with a gross infection that he felt compelled to scrape. Job literally had nothing left but the roof over his head and his wife. But Job's poor wife had been through all the same tragedies as he had, save the loss of her health. All her children were dead, too. All her wealth was down the drain, the employees were nearly all gone, and her once healthy husband was this pitiful, unrecognizable, sick, grotesque-looking man. Mrs. Job just couldn't take it anymore, and she desperately wanted out. She must have thought, if only he would die, I could run away and forget I ever knew him. She had seen how he had lived the best life of faith he could, and it didn't seem to be enough for God. Tragedy struck anyway, so she wasn't interested in hanging on to God either. She wanted out, and that meant rejecting her husband. Job's response to her rejection is nearly unbelievable. Job 2.10 He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. This book is about holiness, remember? Can you see the beauty of this righteous response? Can you feel the glory of the right choice Job made, even though he couldn't see what God was doing and had no idea why this was happening to him? The Apostle Paul mentioned the value of endurance to his protege, Timothy, and also to the church in Ephesus. 2 Timothy 2.3 Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ, or, as it says in the King James, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Sounds like Job, doesn't it? He had nothing left that he could do but simply stand in the wind and let it blow. Jesus made an interesting statement that connects holy endurance to salvation itself. Matthew 10, You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Holy endurance lasts until... It is there as long as needed, no matter how difficult the situation. This endurance has served Christians well when they've had to care for terminally ill family members for months on end, when they've languished in a prison cell in solitary confinement for spreading the gospel, and when they've encountered numerous setbacks and opposition on the mission field. It even works when you've lost your job, and the search for another one goes on and on and on. God seems to be saying, when times are hard, stand there and take it. You can do it because I'm with you. The thing is that hard times don't last forever. Job found out that a great reward awaited him on the other side of the trial. Job 42, 10-17 After Job had prayed for his friends, 
the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hoppuk. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so Job died an old man and full of years. Getting his stuff back and having more children weren't even the best parts. For thousands of years since this trial occurred, people have been reading about it in God's Word and have been inspired to keep going when bad things happen to good people. They've been taught to trust when life isn't fair. No one told Job about that outcome at the time. No angel from heaven tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey, Job, we know this is really hard for you, but just hang on because God's plan is to use your good example to help billions of people over thousands of years. Instead, the only sound from heaven was silence. Cue chirping crickets. How holy and beautiful is this endurance. James 5, 10 and 11. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Three things stand out about Job's endurance. First, as he white-knuckled his way through the misery, he never felt entitled to God's blessings. Job 1, 20 and 21. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 2.10. He replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Job's attitude was that God owed him nothing. He was not indignant. There was no, how dare God do this to me when I've been so faithful. He was frustrated and he did question, but he did not insist that God owed him one. Lovely. Second, Job stayed true to God regardless of the circumstances. He wasn't a fair-weather follower. Job 1, 20 and 21 again. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Instead of, 
This stinks and I'm out of here. Job stayed with God. No fist shaking at the sky. No railing about God's unfairness. He was as solid as a rock. He had nothing left, not even a wife or his own health. But he stayed the course. Gorgeous. Third, Job did not accuse God of foolish behavior. Job 1.22, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. It would be easy to be short-sighted and sure that God had blown it. But Job didn't give in to the temptation to look at things that way. One last observation. In the midst of it all, when Job was pouring out his heart to his friends in agony and frustration as he searched for a why that wasn't becoming clear, he made an incredible statement. Job 19, 23 through 27. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Turns out his words were recorded and written on a scroll, engraved in rock forever. God's word endures for eternity, 1 Peter 1.25. And Job's cries made it into the book of books. The yearning, the pain, the grief, and the abandonment didn't last so very long. But the beauty of the holy endurance that Job displayed in an extraordinarily difficult trial will live on even long after our present era is past. Want to look beautiful? You can put on this same holiness by enduring through hardship without wavering in your trust that God sees and will bring you through. Jesus Christ himself also endured until he came through victorious on the other side, remember? And he's one beautiful Savior. Maybe you've been through a gut-wrenching divorce. Maybe you're in financial crisis or suffering with rebellious kids or warring in-laws. Maybe getting up and going to work every day feels like torture. Job endured, and you can too. If you'll keep going, God will bring you out on the other side. This hard time is not destined to last forever. Walk through it. Walk with Him and never, ever quit. Quit.